Hello and welcome to episode nine of Roy's Rants because I'm always on the ball. I believe episode eight was like a month ago. Uh, today I am joined with Alex, aka Charles Ross, or Alex Ross, not to be confused with the painter, but the writer. Hey, how's it going? Great. How are you? Good. I'm glad you can hear me. Um, I know we discussed ranting about uh, Godzilla 98 and Eternals. We want to do that. I do want to do that. But I do want to bring up something that just came up um, yesterday. I believe it was yesterday and kind of indicative of things to come. The whole Discovery Warner axing Batgirl and what they're doing to HBO Max. Um, Oh, yeah, what have you heard all the news on that? Yeah, I uh I was all depressed about it last night. Um because I have various thoughts uh depending on what they do going forward. When I first heard about uh Discovery acquiring Warner Brothers, I was not thrilled uh to say the least because uh I and here's the here's the fun part. Uh I I I love my girlfriend with all her, with all my heart. She loves like the discovery trash shows, like all the, the TLs, like all that junk. And we, we watch some of those shows and I'm just like, these are the guys who are now in charge of some of my favorite properties ever since I was a kid. Hmm. <laughs> so what are your thoughts? <laughs> It's just really sad. I mean, regardless whether or not the Batgirl movie is good, and I'm a huge Brendan Fraser fan, so I was excited to see him play a villain. You know, Firefly, no less, a Batman villain that hasn't been seen on the big screen. Um, it's it's a shame because I think Leslie Grace seems like she's really passionate about the character, and yet we're still getting a movie starring Ezra Miller who like assaults people and doesn't seem like a very stable person. Granted, there are people behind the camera that probably work extremely hard. Um, so I, I don't know what they're going to do going forward. I think it's going to end up like Roger Corman's Fantastic Four, where it's going to get leaked by somebody that worked on the film, and it's going to get passed around you know, conventions and stuff. At least I hope so, because I think it deserves to be seen, regardless of whether or not it's, it's good. Well, I mean, if you put in like 75 to like 95 million and a year and a half and hundreds of people working blood, sweat and tears to make this product. And then along comes a merger and new guy steps in and is like, okay, what do we got here? What do we got here? Oh, bad girl. This looks dumb. Cancel this. We can use it as a tax break. That is so disheartening. And, and it's a, it's a sign that everything else that Warner and HBO have worked on over the last couple of years, it's all in danger. It's all, it's all, I've heard so many rumors. I heard the other day, I saw a rumor they were canceling Godzilla versus Kong. They already started filming it. And I was like, I, I jumped the gun and I got really upset. And then I had to like do some digging. I'm like, okay, it's a rumor, but it was a plausible rumor considering what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it featured Michael Keaton as Batman. I mean, that that's a, a big drawing point because he's a classic Batman and now we might not ever get to see that and that's and that's the thing it's like okay well first we're like okay he's gonna be in the flash that's super awesome I can't wait I can't wait to see it 
And then Ezra started going crazy and you start learning about stuff about, oh, he he's basically been grooming a girl since she was like 14. And now he's like on the run with her. Like, what <laughs> what the hell? And so you're like, OK, we're going to push the flashback until we know what to do with it. And you yeah, have heard thing in Aquaman, too. And it's like, this is a mess. But hey, at least Batgirl is going along like you you heard that it was filming they're doing like everything was moving along smoothly i'm like all right at least that one will come out and now this <laughs> yeah and it's it's a shame because i was following the batgirl film somewhat on social media and it seemed like the cast and crew actually gave a shit um and i was excited to see because i like barbara gordon as a character yeah, and I've I've had like when they when they release photos of Batgirl and I start seeing people complaining like guys that is literally from the comic book. It's not from your comic book that you read, but it is from a comic. Like I, that is one thing I, I I always get into like arguments with people online. I do rants when someone looks at still photos of superhero movies and go that looks stupid. I'm like you do realize that is pre pre editing pre-special effects, lighting, color correction, all the stuff that makes the thing you like on screen, that hasn't happened yet. You're looking at a blurry cell phone photo from a person on wires and stuff. Like, get over yourself. And she's also, you know, a teenage girl. Her costume's not going to be as good as Bruce's. Like, uh, the <laughs> costume should evolve. You know, like, I think this the Flash TV show is a great example where the, the, show, the suit evolved over the show and they could do that in the Batgirl movie or, you know, potential sequels, which will definitely probably never happen. Yeah. And I just it, like with, with Batgirl, and of course I saw people like, what are they doing? Race swaps and all that other stuff. I, it makes me so angry. And I, 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 I typed in today, someone like commenting on the TikTok Cause I got to, you know, I got to waste at least a half hour a day. Just flip through TikTok Cause I'm addicted. Um, they're, they start bringing that up. I'm like, oh, yeah, remember that time where Batgirl saved the day through her whiteness, through her white culture? Remember that? You know what? No, because we're boring. <laughs> like, our, our if you want to talk interesting culture of whiteness, it's usually, it's usually around us, like, killing and pillaging and taking whatever we want. That's probably the most, <laughs> like, oh, wow, you did that, huh? But it's... It's so funny, like how many things this movie had to persevere against, like fan reaction and all that kind of stuff, to just have a corporate show come along and go, you know, we can make more money with like a tax write off on this picture than we can just throwing it on HBO Max. Like, you can tell for some odd reason, Discovery, even though I heard plans they were just going to merge the Discovery app with HBO Max, I was like, all right, I guess, fine. Now we have we'll have one subscription instead of two. I guess we won't have to pay for it. That sounds nice. That's fine. Uh, now it, it sounds like they just plan on gutting it because I'm hearing they're they're making all sorts of changes over there, like cancel other projects, the Scooby Doo uh, movie project, a couple other things, canceling shows. I like they just approved Our Flag Means Death season two, and if if I hear it got canceled, I'm gonna be so so upset. Like <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a shame because, I mean, a business merger isn't always a bad thing. I mean, when Disney saved Marvel from bankruptcy, that was a genuinely good thing. Otherwise, we wouldn't have all the movies that we do now. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just sad because there are many producers that just see these as, as products, you know, to just be sold out. You know, they don't see it as pieces of art like the people that 
work hard on it. Yeah, I could see I could see a Discovery executive looking at Batgirl and looking at 90 Day Fiance and considering them both equal. You know what I mean? It's just product. It's just it's just streaming content. And they're like, well, this one only costs this much and we get so many ratings from that. But this costs a whole ton. And we don't know if we'll make anything out of that. So why bother? You know, right. And I think I think a lot of that might have to do with them looking at and I hate to say this, I think. I feel like DC Warner have been shooting themselves in the foot from the get-go on this whole thing. The whole restore the Snyderverse, the the Snyderverse cut that was that they put on HBO Max because they thought it was going to earn subscriptions. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but it turns out it did not really boost subscriptions at all. And as a matter of fact, The Batman, which was a movie they produced and sold tickets, you know, out in theaters, when they put it on HBO Max, like two months later, it actually got they actually got a bump in subscriptions and a bump in views more than the Zack Snyder cut. So I could see an executive at Discovery and I'm not trying to defend them. I'm just saying the logic of them looking at, well, you guys invested an extra 20 or I don't know, 20, 70 million on this 300 million dollar project just to boost sales of your Max subscriptions. And it didn't do shit. So why should I care about these other DC superhero stuff? I could see that. I could see the DC, like the Warner, the whole thing. They've, they've just been stumbling along ever since the Marvel Studios started. Ever since Marvel Studios started and then made the deal with Disney to even you know buffer it and strengthen it. Warner has been playing catch up. And for some odd reason, the plan is there. The goal, the, the how to build the, the DC... You has been there all along. Just copy Marvel's homework for crying out loud. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's something else. I don't think they'll ever learn. I don't think Discovery is going to make anything any better unless Discovery's mandate is to overhaul the whole thing, start over, and just follow Disney, I, which is going to be I a hard thing to do. What they should do is just keep making solo projects like the Batman and Joker for right now and maybe wait on doing more extended universe stuff because clearly like I mean I like a lot of the connected stuff too um, but you know the Batman was really strong and maybe that's what can set them apart from Marvel and make them slightly different well I mean I, I think I think the uh, and I'm not trying to sound cynical, but I bet I'm coming off cynical at this point. Copying Marvel's homework would have been the best approach because as much as people cry, they want some, something different. They really don't. Like when you look at it, like a buying product, like, and, I, and it's one of those things where I always, I get into these arguments all the time with people who are like, everybody hate, you know, Hollywood makes all these remakes and sequels. I'm like, yeah, but look, it gets the numbers in the end. Yeah, you do have the diminishing returns you have to worry about. But, you know, you still see it. You still see a pattern. People do kind of want the sort of same thing. Um, you know, I, I kind of look at like the, the Kevin Smith uh, Mass Universe cartoon where he wanted to change things up. And it's, it's like it's, he took the toys in the toolbox, the filmation, you know, like toy sandbox, and he grew them up. And there was a huge backlash because deep down inside, a lot of the He-Man fans just wanted more of the same. <laughs> right. Oh well, like like I said, um, I don't I don't know 
I don't know what the future holds for, you know, DC, Warner, Discovery, whatever you want to call it. It seems bleak because it's clear that Discovery is approaching this like like a hostile takeover. Right. They're, and they're they're looking at this other person's product and going, I don't give a shit about this. <laughs> you know things are bad when Dwayne Johnson, like the biggest movie star in the world right now, gets booed at Comic-Con because he doesn't know who's playing Superman. Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, I mean, and that's not his fault. Like it is set up like that because there was an internet rumor that Cavill was coming back. Yeah, and and I and I again, this, and I don't like to like people think I just hate Zack Snyder. I don't hate Zack Snyder. What I do hate is the fervor and the 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 craziness, the zealotness of his followers to the point where if he farted on camera, they'd call it gold. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I mean, the, the like, and I have people out there like, it's so cool because it's so dark and moody and brooding. And I'm like, really? Cause I try, I mean, I tried rewatching his, the Snyder cut of justice league. I can't do it. I can't. It's just, it's just too damn dark. Now don't get me wrong. I like the Batman the Batman you can say is much darker, but it is the Batman. We're not, when you're watching justice league, I'm not watching the Batman and Oh, by the way, justice league, I'm supposed to be watching justice league. Tonality is everything. You know what I mean? Um, and I look at, I look at how successful the DC animated universe, you know, the, the whole, um, uh, Paul Dini and Bruce, Tim, everything they created from 92 to 2000, whatever. Uh, and they still oversee like, well, not Paul, but Bruce oversees a lot of the animated features that come out. I really wish they would give those two the keys of the kingdom. And I've heard people argue that I'm wrong because cartoons is different than movies. I'm like, nowadays, the way streaming, the way digital and special effects and everything. No, it's not, not anymore. Not, not when it comes to content. Um, I, I really do feel like, and don't get me wrong, DC Comics has gotten really dark over the last twenty years. But you can you can balance it out, you know. There's no balance in the Zack Snyder cut. I don't I don't need five minutes of an Icelandic girl chanting as Aquaman slowly goes into the sea. Yeah, um, they definitely kind of let him do whatever he wanted, and part of me is like, well good for him because they kind of screwed him and i mean his daughter died while during production that was, so, that was horrible <laughs> um, you know so I'm, I'm happy for him as an artist i you know the slow motion and stuff got toned down in batman v superman and man of steel and then he kind of brought it back in Justice League. <laughs> i'm so glad uh, you brought that up <laughs> but uh, you know i think he seems like a really nice guy and i do like most of his films although a lot of them have issues. Um, I'd say his best movie for me is, is Watchmen. I think Watchmen is actually really good. You, um, you know, um, I absolutely love Watchmen. I feel like Watchmen is the first comic book adaptation that actually changed the ending for the better. Right. Instead of the giant squid? Yeah. God, that giant squid is so dumb. Sorry, Alan. <laughs> I, I mean, hey, the rest of the story was great. If, that, if that's the only problem, then, you know, whatever <laughs> yeah so it's 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 i i i really do feel like zach has a great he to me 
I don't want to compare him to Michael Bay. It's like it's like there are two sides of an action movie coin. You know what I mean? You got one who likes bright sunsets and 360 cameras and things blowing up. And you got another who loves slow-mo and desaturation. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I wish they would just work on their tone a little bit, you know? Um, right. So, yeah, we, we'll see how how the how the world of DC uh, either evolves, devolves, or implodes here in the next couple of months, the way, the way they're going here. They're clearly on a hack and slash. Let's, uh, we just bought this thing. Now we got to tighten our belt, uh, you know, move list right now. So, all right. So we got two films to talk about. You challenged yeah. me on. Speaking of um, remakes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, I'll give you the choice. Do you want to talk about Eternals first or Godzilla '98? What do you want to talk about? So I feel like my thoughts on Godzilla '98 are pretty short and to the point. I feel like Eternals. I have a lot to say, and depending on how you feel after your most recent watch through, you and I might um, see the film very differently and respectfully, I'm sure. Um, but I actually like the last time I watched it. I've, I've seen it three times now, and I watched it with director commentary, and I. I sat and I actually made notes. Um, I, I made notes too. And I actually, I do have more notes on Eternals than Godzilla. So <laughs> yeah, well, if God, Godzilla, it's like, it is what it is. Um, yeah. I can let's, understand. Let's do a little, let's do a little background on Godzilla 98 then. So yeah, let's go into IMDb. Let's talk about what Godzilla is. Godzilla is from 1998. It was a PG-13 movie. It's two hours and 19 minutes long. I didn't even realize that. Is it really? It doesn't feel like that. I mean, no, I breezed through it the other day when I watched it. <laughs> All right. Well, that's not bad. That's that's actually a good sign. That's actually a good sign of film. I'll give that a good note for that. Um, French nuclear tests irradiate an iguana into a giant monster that heads off to New York City. The American military must chase the monster across the city to stop it before it reproduces. Directed by Roland Emmerich and written by Dean Devlin and Roland er Emmerich and Ted Elliott. And if we want to get technical, about 45 different writers since 1991. Um, starring Matthew Broderick as the greatest wooden actor you've ever seen. He told the guy who played Anakin Skywalker, hold my beer. Uh, <laughs> Gene Reno as Philippe. Uh, Mario Patillo as Audrey, the bubbly-headed um, news reporter that I can't stand and wish Godzilla had stepped on. Uh, Hank Azaria as Victor Animal Pilati, our first Simpsons uh, cameo. Um, Kevin Dunn, otherwise known as Sam Wickwicky's dad, playing Colonel Hicks. Uh, Michael Lerner as Mayor Ebert. Wow, how on the nose can you get that you don't like how Siskel and Ebert tears apart your films? Uh, Harry Shearer, our second Simpson character, as Charles Kamen. Uh, we got Arabella Field as Lucy, Animal's wife, who says a lot of problematic things that were okay in 1998, but now just kind of, eh. Um, a couple other characters, but different background characters. There's a guy named uh, Doug Savant playing Sergeant O'Neill, who's the bumbling uh, military guy who uh, Wiki's dad keeps yelling at throughout the movie. <laughs> All right, what are your? I, I want to talk about my reaction to Godzilla '98 as a kid, but I will, uh, since you are the guest here, I'll let you get off some fire off some thoughts first. 
Yeah. Um, I think most of the criticisms are actually probably valid, but it doesn't really bother me. And, and it could, it could totally be that I grew up with this movie. And I think that it's fair to say that this was a Godzilla movie made for kids that grew up with Jurassic park. Um, and I, I think it's totally entertaining as a popcorn film. I mean, it's totally a Roland Emmerich film. He kind of makes movies along the same lines as Michael Bay does. And you know, nothing wrong with that. They're perfectly entertaining. It's, it's 90s cheese. Um, I buy Matthew Broderick as sort of like the awkward, weird worm guy. I don't hate him in the film. I think he's fine. The only parts that I think are like really bad are his scenes with audrey yes i even have a note for that <laughs> um and i feel so bad for that actress because she's not that great in the film and like during her crying scene i felt bad because i i started laughing because she has like this really ugly cry um but uh the two standouts for me were john reno as the french secret service guy or whatever his title was because he was clearly like having a blast with that role and he was a total badass um and then i liked kevin dunn as uh was it colonel was it colonel hicks was that was colonel hicks was? colonel yeah. hicks. daddy daddy uh witwicky <laughs> he's he's one of those actors that it's, it's like in every movie he's in he plays like a supporting character and he, he he always nails it like i've loved him and everything i've ever seen him in he's got a great sarcastic wit to him like even when the mayor's like in the command center and he's like, don't touch anything, you know, just like, just like cuts them off. Like, like you're the mayor. I don't give two shits. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's played, he's played a dad. He's played a military guy and he's done it both, both very convincingly. Yeah. So my reactions to Godzilla, now mind you, I was 20 years old. Okay. One step away before a fully complete legal adult. All right been a godzilla fan since i was a kid okay like when i was a little kid my dad would rent a video disc player for all the youngsters out there don't know what the hell that is you'd have a big giant disc you like take this cartridge and you inject it and it, like scoop it in and play the movie but then you'd have to flip the side and you know, flip it um so it was, it was kind of like a record but it was a video literally and so my dad would get like old Godzilla films. My very first Godzilla film was Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster. So I was hooked as a kid and I grew up with the terrible thunder lizard atomic, you know, dinosaur that, you know, shoots fiery breath and everything. And I, and, and, you know, I bought the bootlegs when Japan was making Godzilla movies, but America wouldn't deal with them because there was at the time there was a huge tension between America and Japan economically. So Toho was like, fine, none of you get our Godzilla films for like 10 years. I was like, okay, that sucks. So you had to pick up, you had to pick up bootlegs at comic book conventions. That's how I got to watch what they call the Hisei era of Godzilla, uh, the 90s era. And they killed him. And I was like, oh, that sucks. But hey, guess what? There's an American Godzilla movie coming, guys. Oh, super sweet. Even better, the guys who made ID4, and I'm like, I love ID4. It's cheesy, but it's fun. They blow shit up. It's great. I love it. They're, they're, they're going to do a great job. It's going to be so awesome. And you see these trailers where like his foot stomps down and you hear the roar and you know all this stuff of like, they're going to have so much merchandise the day it launches, but you can't see it right now because we can't show you what Godzilla looks like. We can't show you what Godzilla looks like. You're going to literally, I don't know how they pulled this off, but it was literally like a week 
before the movie came out that someone finally slipped some merchandise photos out there and we got to see Godzilla for the first time. And I can tell you right now, man, it was a collective like, what? What the hell is that? Gone was the really cool spikes. Now we just have basic spines sticking out. Gone was the small head with the animalistic look. It was this big, domey, you know, doofy head. And he's really spindly looking, like very anorexic. And I'm like, okay, but you know what? You know what? Haven't seen the movie yet. I'm going to, even then I was not, I was not going on Ain't It Cool News and going, what the hell? This is bullshit. I hate this movie. I was like, I reserve my opinion until I go see the movie. And my roommate and I, we finally go see the movie. And you know what? I'm not angry at Godzilla. I'm not mad at Godzilla for being who Godzilla he or she is at this point. We're talking about this movie. Um, it's fine. It's fine. It's, it doesn't have the nuclear fire. And, but the movie itself is this incredibly silly comedy. See, the thing that kills me about this movie and, you know, I, like I said, I have a ton of, I, I have some notes, you have some notes. We've already hit on some that I was already like, you, you read my mind about certain characters and whatnot. It, it felt to me like the directors did not like Godzilla, did not like they went and looked at the movies and they thumbed their nose. They, they probably, number one, they probably didn't even bother watching any of the newer films, which have a more serious tone to them. They looked at like John Belushi dressed up as Godzilla on TV Saturday night on NBC showing Godzilla versus Megalon, which is an absolute piece of shit. I watch it now for laughs. Like I have the Showa era, which is the original Godzilla era on Blu-ray. And I do sit there. I, I put them on background. I don't sit there intently going great. My nephew watches those movies and the new movies and everything else in between and loves them. That's great. He's like five, you know? As an adult now, I watch those for the Schlockfest, but I feel like this director, um, was it Roland? Yes, I Roland. Roland. Um, Roland looked at this this schlocky '60s cheese fest and did not bother to rewatch the original movie Gojira, you know, and just said, "Oh, I'm going to make a comedy because Godzilla is silly and doofy, and this is the only way I want to do it." It's it's literally it's the Batman and Robin, you know, effect. And like you said, 90s cheese. There was that time in like from 95 to 99, 99, like before The Matrix, you know, where 90s action movies were just incredibly dumb. <laughs> right. So, you know, like I, I started, you know, I gave it a shot. I'm like, you know, you said, go ahead, rewatch it. Maybe you'll have a different opinion. I can honestly say my opinion has not changed, although I do have positive moments about it i i don't i don't think the movie is absolutely horrible um godzilla fans have a name for the godzilla in this in this piece in this particular movie they call him gino godzilla <laughs> in name only <laughs> oh wow wow so yeah that was thrown around for a good decade or so and and you know I'll talk about how Toho handled Godzilla, the Godzilla 98 monster after we're done talking about the movie itself. Yeah, and Final Wars. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll bring that up. Um, so first off, like the music. Um, I like the music. I feel like 
it has some weird whimsical moments to it. They like play like chimes and stuff through some things. They like make it very innocent at the same time. That's a very Emmerich thing to do. Like he does it in Stargate. He does it in, in uh, Independence Day. It definitely, it definitely has that vibe. You can, you can tell. Like I didn't check to see who who did the music, but I'm assuming he probably they probably worked together on all those films. Um, I I don't want to say I hated that particular part of the music. I just felt like like this is setting the tone. This is making me realize that this is this is probably going to be a much more lighthearted affair than what I would hope for for a Godzilla movie. Yeah. Um. Okay. I, I want I want to hear your specific thoughts on Matthew Broderick. Um. So I have I honestly this is. Besides Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I think this might be the only other movie I've seen him in. Yeah, Lion King, probably. I oh, shit, that's right, Lion King. That I he was really good in that actually. Um, may, I don't know, maybe he's better with voice acting than he is with, you know, actually being in front of the camera. Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, Adult Simba is genuinely like a really well acted character. Um, yeah, I mean he he goes from playful to heroic in that movie very well yet in this movie and i don't i don't necessarily it's probably not his fault if you can hear a train sorry i live a couple of yards away from some trains um it's it's the worm guy thing i'm just like i want my action movie characters and i know this is this boils back to me you know, i'm making fun of people saying they want more of the same i i just feel like if you're the lead in an action movie about a giant lizard i i want you to be a little less awkward around every single human you interact with <laughs> and again that's kind of emrick's thing he has like a main character that's super nerdy in all of his films like, yeah, uh, like goldblum and i feel ben like Kenway. i feel like james spader and jeff goldblum handled it much better i agree with that 110 percent. you know i i feel like I I feel like Matthew. It's it's like the scene where they pour out all the fish in the <laughs> next to O'Neill, and O'Neill's like, "Boy, I hope your plan works." And 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 Emmerich or not Emmerich, um, Broderick is like, "That's a lot of fish." Shut up, man. Just shut up. Or, I, I, yeah. <laughs> or the uh, the interaction with him and oh, what are the freaking Audrey. Who, like I said, I we, we talked about Audrey next. She like, it's like sorry about leaving. He's like, oh well, you left me. Blah 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 blah. Uh, and then like, he's like, would you like a cup of tea? Yeah. That particular line, even when I was twenty and I sat in the movie there, I'm like, really? That's your, that's your, that's your big come on line to try and hook up with her again. Would you like? A cup yeah. Of tea? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think the only times he like really works for me in the film uh, is when he's like explaining like the sciencey stuff, like oh, the Godzilla's pregnant, and um, and he like goes into like the the sciencey spiel. Like he, I think he does all right with those scenes. Um, yeah, he like he has no chemistry whatsoever with any of the fellow. Like maybe maybe Jean Reno. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think Gene Reno, I think those two working together, it was fine. Yeah, but that's probably more Gene than him. <laughs> yeah, another great character actor. Yeah, yeah. Although, I mean, yeah, we'll talk about Gene in a second. Now, 
Audrey is just a horrible, horrible character. Like there's there's this thing about her like just mistreating Matthew Broderick's character left and right and then pining for him at the same time. I'm just like, pick a lane. <laughs> right. I I honestly I hate to say it because I'd hate to be like somebody to put somebody out, out of work, but they could have cut her character from the film and they would have trimmed some of the fat and some of the worst scenes in the film. And it really wouldn't have changed much because she doesn't really add much to the story other than finding the newsroom at the end where they can make the broadcast. But I feel like Braddock's character is smart enough that he might've been able to figure that out on his own or maybe the French. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if you drag Hank Azaria there, he's a, he's a camera guy. <laughs> he knows how to yeah. work equipment. So, so I think they totally could have cut her character, but I feel like the studio was like, no, he's got to have a love interest or something because that has to be yeah. a subplot. Even, even though they have zero, zero chemistry together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the, one, the, the one thing I thought was really weird was, that, again, Hank Azaria and um, Harry Shearer, the weird Simpsons connection, because... You know, Simpsons had been around for a while, but they were like really mega popular at the time. So I like at one point I'm like, where's Yeardley Smith? Come on, why don't we throw in the, the, the lady who plays Barton here while we're at it? Yeah. It, it was it was a very bizarre casting choice from like, why is Harry and Hank? And I, I mean, I've not seen anything that said, oh, they did this on purpose or whatnot that I know of. I just, I just thought it was really weird. Um, and, and Harry Shearer's character like every time he talks all i keep seeing is simpsons that's all i see is simpsons characters he's so ingrained in that that i can't i i can't take him seriously in the movie at all and i understand this is a comedy at this point like uh, the movie is a freaking comedy whether they plan on doing it that way or not it's a comedy um hank as as animal again I, he's one step away from sounding like mo so but I like Hank. He's got a face that's like very likable. He's just kind of like, hey, what are you doing? What are you talking about? Eh, you know, right. The uh, Brooklyn uh, stereotype. Um, his wife, though, um, Lucy. <laughs> Holy shit. Some of her dialogue. I'm like, wow, you just screamed the R word at him. And that was acceptable back then. But not now. Right. I, I was just like, whoa. <laughs> uh, when she describes Harry Shear's character uh, to Audrey, I'm like, geez, there's kids in the audience, man. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, the New York stereotypes are really hardcore in this. And it's, it's like one of those things where, uh, like, the Frenchman who directed this, who also has a ton of French stereotype jokes that I want to get around to, he, everything's a stereotype in this movie. Do you notice that? Like, it's like amped up to the 11th degree. You got the bubbly uh heroin who's useless you've got the wormy science guy who's like super super nerdy and just can't connect with anyone uh military tough as nails guy you've got mayor who doesn't want to help and is just belligerent uh well, that the film the is so super stereotyped <laughs> yeah well the mayor thing works because it's like that in real life well yeah at the same time though the whole siskel and eber thing it was just like because he has he has Mayor Ebert, his assistant's name is Gene. Right. And at the time, Siskel and Ebert tore Emmerich and De Devlin apart for every one of their films for being cheesy uh, popcorn movies and shit, which is fine. And I, 
I am a fan of picking on critics, even though we are critiquing a film right now ourselves. Right. Especially nowadays with internet film critics who are usually don't look, don't like we're analyzing this. I'm not going to sit there and say Godzilla 98 is a piece of trash. You should never see it. And I'm not going to bother telling you why I'll go into it. And I will talk about the good points and everything else. I hate a lot of armchair, you know, critics these days who just crap on things just to get clicks just to get likes and influence and so, it, there's you know and i don't always agree with cisco Niebuhr, but what i did agree with them when this movie came out they're like really you're gonna put us in this film and call us like geez you guys are thin-skinned <laughs> i thought that was hilarious when they reviewed this movie um but yeah, yeah. cisco and ebert uh the mayor and his assistant <laughs> uh they're, I mean, they're fine. It's just so on the nose. Like I said, a lot of the characters, it's just like, I think 10-year-old me could have wrote this script. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of who it was. I mean, it, it's a popcorn flick. Like, I mean, um, the, it has some clever moments. Like, I think the twist of having Godzilla have a bunch of babies is great. Like, I love the moment in the film when they're in the stadium and there's just all these eggs. Um, because that's that's bad. Like having potentially hundreds of you know Godzillas running around um, the planet is bad news. Like that's that that takes the film's urgency up like a lot. True, but and I will argue this point. And I had this point the other day when I was watching. I didn't really think about it before. And this again goes to me being classic Godzilla fan. In the, in the Godzilla universe, in like the Toho verse, whatever you want to call it, Godzilla has a singular child in each version of it. A one child, like you can call it Godzilla Jr., you can call it Manila, Minya, whatever the hell version of the movie. I almost feel like the raptor scene, <laughs> the baby Godzilla scenes, kind of cheapen that. Where you know, but I mean, they, but I will say, and we'll we'll get to that at the end. It it kind of it solves itself. It it resolves that thought in my head. I'm like, okay, that's fine, 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 fine. Um, we'll talk about Raptor Babies in just a second. <laughs> but Gene Reno's character, like you said, is a badass. I just feel like they could have done so much more with him. And again, that is. It is a pro. It is a problem of it being a very lighthearted script. Right. I expect more from Gene Reno because at the time, I'd watch The Professional where he is the lead in that. So I'm like, I want, I want him to be a badass. And I have the same complaint about the use of Brian Cranston in Godzilla 2014. You've got Brian Cranston who is in Breaking Bad, of all things, you know, Mr. Heisenberg, badass. And he's in Godzilla movie. And in the trailer, it makes it look like he is a big-time player in Godzilla 2014. And they kill him off. Yep. He's, not, he's not the main scientist who solves the problem. It's his, it's his dopey, stupid, plain, boring-as-all-day, y'all-get-out, American GI son. Uh, played to underwhelming performance by the kid who played Kick-Ass. <laughs> so... Ooh. And and my 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 worst um, uh, Pietro, God, I was so glad when he died in Avengers. Um, <laughs> sorry, you can't replace the kid who plays Pietro in the in the Fox X Men series. He's so much better than him. Yeah, uh, he is. <laughs> but yeah, I wanted I wanted to see more from Gene Reno. 
Um, I thought, you know, I think I think he's great in everything he does. It's the voice. That voice of his, that um, French guy who smokes 12 packs of cigarettes. <laughs> it's it's super fun. Sorry if you hear my chair creaking. I'm moving no, around. No, I don't hear anything at all. Oh, good. Uh, I think that's a credit to him as an actor, too. He taking, like, a, a script that's probably at best fine and elevating it um so that that's like a credit to him and i think that's probably the same case with brian cranston in the 2014 godzilla because i mean he's fantastic in that movie and i i really would have preferred that he been the main character throughout yeah while they're there you're invested you so yeah i i i think gene could have i would have liked to have seen a little bit more um action super spy stuff and a little less of the you got these french roast that could be right you uh, just want a cup of coffee man oh god it's just like all throughout the movie oh no the donut why no croissant because there's no croissants in new york city I, yeah that, that was my thing i'm like this is bullshit like i i, I, I that was that the 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 french jokes that just kept coming and i'm like Roland, come on, man. You're a foreigner. <laughs> Stop being so xenophobic by saying all French people, they just want coffee and croissants. Yeah. <laughs> and America has none of that. <laughs> I mean, we have plenty of bad coffee here. I mean, that's true. Like, you have to kind of, like, search for it if you want great coffee. But I just, like, you know, I've been to New York City. There's... And I know things were being evacuated and a little crazy. You could say that, but I'm sure you could find a decent cup of coffee and a croissant. <laughs> yeah. So I want to ask you about Godzilla's design. How do you yes. feel about Godzilla's design in the film? Because I probably have a different opinion than most fans. Okay. So at the time, I was less than thrilled, but I accepted it. I actually owned like all the Godzilla toys. I don't know if you've seen me on Facebook. I just repainted one in like Predator Vision. <laughs> um, I'm trying to raffle that thing off. Can I say raffle? Yeah, I can say raffle. I just can't say it on, on Facebook. Um, <laughs> but um, Patrick Tatopoulos was the artist who designed that. He also designed um, a lot of stuff on Stargate and ID4. And he also worked on the monsters in Pitch Black. He's, yeah, he's definitely a different style of art, like artist. He's definitely he he does things very. I, he uses a lot of neutral grays, very very kind of dark. Like, I don't know, I don't know how to really explain it. Like, I'm not trying to say it's bland. I'm just saying a lot of it represents that '90s, late '90s, early 2000s, where everything's under like blacks are oversaturated, and everything's dark, and everything just kind of blends in. And that's I I wish we had the technology to kind of represent Godzilla better in the movie. So it didn't have to be always raining in every damn scene. Right. Um, they, they deny that they didn't, they didn't do that. Like, Oh no, we meant to have it raining all the time. Nobody wants to work in the rain. No actors want to work in the rain. You risk injury, all that other kind of stuff. You did that to hide effects. Don't lie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they did the best they could. CGI was relatively new at that point. Well, yeah, I mean, it, and it was good at the time. I watched, like, as I was watching it the other day, the, the baby Godzillasaurus um, in the hallway of the stadium look really bad now, unfortunately, in HD. Right. 
Um, um, they're literally floating on the surface. Like you can tell, like they do not interact with anything. They look the best in like an actual practical sense. Oh, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. No, I think you just said what I, the point I was making that the close-ups when they're like, um, I don't want to say Muppets, but I mean, you get what I mean. Uh, when it's like a practical, like then they're, they're actually on set. Like the, the close-ups look great. Yeah, no, the um, the practical effects, the animatronic puppets do look really well. Um, I wish movies these days, and we can talk about that in Eternals. I have some thoughts about that. Um, the over-reliance on CG, it's one of the reasons why every time a new Marvel trailer comes out, someone's like, oh, that CG looks so fake. It's so horrible. I'm like, because they keep trying to do more fantastical things, so it has to be CG, and your brain already knows your brain can tell what is a physical element in this world and what is a CG character. It's it's and especially in the nineties, you could definitely tell um, that that was a thing. So for what it was, um, I do think that Godzilla, uh, I feel like Patrick Tatopoulos probably did a superb job following what Emmerich and Devlin wanted for the movie. Right. I think had someone else come along and said, I need you to draw, I need you to design a powerful animal that is slow and lumbering and shoots atomic fire and looks, I'm sure he would have done just the same. I'm sure he would have knocked it out of the park and did all that. Like, like I said, I'm usually not the person who uh, craps on design work per se. Um, I usually crap on execution. <laughs> Yeah, and so, the execution is good for what they're going for. Yeah, yeah. I think Godzilla um, does look good as a design. I, I feel like, like I like drawing that Godzilla. That big doofy head that I, I, I kind of didn't care for in the 90s, I actually like drawing now. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have a problem with Godzilla's design. Not, and yeah, I mean, there had been like, what, almost 20 Godzilla films by that point. So it's like, it's not a big deal in my mind to change up the design for this remake, um, you know, to do something differently. Yeah. I, I do feel like there's room for that. That's perfectly fine. Um, whether or not, you know, it is Godzilla in name only, um, you know, you, you can argue a fair point on both sides on that. I, Unfortunately, again, I will go back to like the Godzilla fan in me. Years later, after Godzilla 90 came, 98 came out, photos started to be leaked of other Godzilla movies that were in the pipe um, with Toho and Sony over the years before they finally got the ball rolling. Well, actually, it wasn't even just Sony. Like The, the movie had been bounced around a while for, for a while there from the 90s. Um, and I saw a maquette done from Stan Winston Studios. And I would have loved to have seen that. Um, and then there was a version by Steve Miner um, who did Friday the 13th uh, 3. Um, he's gone on done a lot of other stuff, but he had a there was a 3D Godzilla being planned that had a storyline by Fred Decker of Monster Squad and Robocop 3. Um, and he helped do the Predator, which I will I'll argue as as dumb as the Predator is. I still love that movie. I don't care what anybody says. I want a predator dog. I want a dumb, stupid predator dog. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've seen so many different versions of the Godzilla, American Godzilla, that was going to be different 
but also more respectful of the Japanese version. And that is the one thing, like, you add a little bit of heft to this Godzilla, you change the spines a little bit more to have them branch out a little bit, like the Japanese one. And I feel like a lot of Godzilla fans probably wouldn't have hated on it that much. There probably wouldn't have been that much hate. Yeah. Um, and it would still be radically different. It would still be different from from that movie, uh, from the old movies. Now, um, the uh, Godzilla babies in in the you know stadium when they discover them and they're hatching everything. My one complaint about that scene is the stupid gumball scene. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was like, we're really going Scooby-Doo on this, huh? We're, well, that's what we're doing here. And I, again, it's a comedy, but it's like a comedy of the things a five-year-old or a 10-year-old would think of. Right. <laughs> and then they slip on the gumballs and Matthew Broderick gets away. It'll be so funny. I'm like, okay. So, oh, I that, the one thing I noticed, I don't know if you noticed, when they were recording um, in the, you know, when they're up in the box, skybox, uh, recording the uh, Godzilla source hatching. I don't know if you noticed on one of the computer monitors, there was an ID4 alien. No, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, they, um, so um, Roland uh, and Devlin, their production team, whatever, through Fox, they had a deal with a toy company called Trendmasters. And at the time, Trendmasters were doing this really fun technology with infrared, where every time you waved your hand past an alien, from ID4, it would split open and scream at you, and there'd be a little, little tiny little alien dude inside piloting it. Um, they also got the rights to Godzilla uh, at the time, so they were making interactive Godzilla. So I used to go into like Walmart, Kmart, whatever, and I'd be waving my hands in front of all these things, or I'd drive my friends nuts. They're like, shut up, stop it. I'm like, I can't help myself. Uh, so, of course, they had the rights to this movie, and of course, they had to throw in one of their toys in, in, a, in a scene, so. I was watching it the other day. I'm like, oh, yeah. Huh. I'll have to go back and watch that scene in particular. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's right right when they're in there filming. It's in one of the little skybox office spaces there. Um, so then they, they, they blow up all the babies. I totally, we totally missed the point where Godzilla died uh, <clears throat> by hitting by some uh, submarine's uh, torpedoes. Um. And we moved on to the baby raptors. And there's like, I think there's a good 25 minutes left in the film. So you're like, well, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, Godzilla shows up again because, you know, it's his movie. <laughs> right. And then comes the impossible, like the another kind of Scooby Doo car chase scene and the infamous uh, scene that just made Godzilla fans even more angry the supposed fire breath so before godzilla came out um and there was media and everything we we're all kind of worried like well godzilla has his trademark fire breath right you know it's godzilla he's got to have fire breath and they swore up and down that he did they's like we did not change godzilla that bad he does not he still has his atomic fire breath we assure you they lied <laughs> He has stinky gas breath that apparently ignites when there's a flame nearby and causes fireballs. I never noticed that until I watched it, uh, you know, about a week ago. Like, as I was just assumed he breathed fire, but it's like if you look closely, there's like, you know, some sort of 
gas that comes out, which I mean, I guess could make sense. Um, Cause I mean, you've got gases in your stomach that I guess if you were a large creature could be flammable. <laughs> it was such a cop out though. It's like you already have an impossibly giant lizard, you know, terrorizing the city. Just give him his damn fire breath. And I, and I get it because the writers were probably like, well, if he has a fire breath, how can our heroes escape? You know, wouldn't you like blow them up? I'm like, well, you know what? You write your way around that. <laughs> Just yeah. do it, damn it. Um, so yeah, that caused an uproar amongst the Godzilla community when it came out too. It was like, you lied. You straight up lied about that. Like, cause they knew, they knew. Like, I feel like while this movie was being made, I'm sure there were plenty of people who were in the know you know, around the time of that filming, and they're like, this is going to be a mistake. This is going to blow up in our face. This is going to be a huge failure. Like, it, it's, it'll do fine, like, the opening weekend, but it's going to tank afterwards. Um, and they just go along with it, you know what I mean? Because it's like, well, we've already spent, like, 200, 300 million dollars, at least 100, or at least 50 million on that giant lizard that does, is, doesn't exist because he's a CG model. And then another fifty million on a puppet that we're never going to use, except for like huge close-ups. And then all these little dinosaurs. So we're just going to keep going. We're just going to keep going. And you know, hey, thank goodness for um, TriStar and Sony. Then they didn't have Discovery there to shit can their movie after right. they finished. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, they have the car chase now. Earlier, and I'm going to get to this point here. Animal had his camera busted by gene reno right took camera out of hand smashed it okay and there's this whole scene where animal has to snatch the the tape before the 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 uh godzilla babies uh go to bite his hand off so he gets the tape and they 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 you know they blow up the place big giant godzilla comes out starts chasing them the um the cab, they do this whole joke while they're doing a cab about how New Yorkers love talking about directions, how to get the Broadway, get on 57th and Vine. I don't give a shit. <laughs> like they have this whole back and forth about where to drive, which way to turn. I'm like, are we really doing this? Are we doing And again, comedy. It's a comedy. I keep forgetting. It's a comedy. <laughs> so um, we, uh, you know, they, they get onto the Brooklyn Bridge. And the next biggest travesty to a Godzilla fan occurs. And so uh, jets come and they blow the shit out of Godzilla and they kill him. Yeah. The, 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 the monster who is supposed to be indestructible in all of his other iterations gets taken out by just regular missiles. The only reason why he didn't die earlier was nobody could catch him. <laughs> Right, because they had heat-seeking missiles, and he's cold-blooded. Yeah. Ah, sigh. <laughs> like I, 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 I get the idea as a writer. They're like, well, we can't just have the monster escape, right? You can't just like go back in the ocean because then he could terrorize people again. I'm like, yeah, but you plan on having sequels, don't you? You know, like I'm like, you, you can, can let him live, but. Again, the movie redeems itself in a few minutes later. But one of the things I wanted to point out is after after Godzilla dies, or he is dying, and everybody's standing there witnessing it. You've got, you know, got you've got uh, Doctor Tatopoulos and Audrey and Animal and Jean. We got Philippe. They're standing there and they watch him die. 
And of course, you know, Audrey and Nick have their little moment, their little kiss. Nothing like being in the mouth of a giant lizard to really stoke the fires of your romance again. Yep. Um, Animal looks at his camera and he's like, where's the tape? Oh my <laughs> God. Hey, you guys, where's, where's Philippe? Where's my tape? Do you think he took my tape? And it cuts to Philippe being like, I will give the tape back after I make a few edits. Because he is French Secret Service. What the hell? How did they forget that the camera was busted and Animal had the tape on his person? I get it. I get, you know, and the funny thing is I don't, I don't normally, like, I'm one of those people who's like, everybody lost their minds when they found a coffee cup in Game of Thrones. And I was like, guys, they're a Russian production. There's hundreds of people there. Shit happens. I'll probably digitally re-erase it once it re-airs. They just, you know, they were in a rush. And I get that this movie was also in a rush to finally get out after being delayed forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It just, I don't know why. It just really stuck out to me because it was such a glaring thing because they made a big deal out of Philippe breaking the camera. Yeah. That's uh, a hard one. It's not like someone was sipping the coffee cup in Games of Thrones on scene. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I feel like I feel justified in criticizing that. <laughs> no, that's, that's a fair criticism. I mean, it's, and it would have been an easy fix too. He could have easily just pulled out a smaller camera that he had like in his bag or something. Like but no, it's a it's a giant like it's a media camera. Yeah, you know it's it's not it's not a handheld. That he yeah, has there. but that's what I'm saying. He could have had like a backup, and they wouldn't have had to have yeah. him magically yeah. fix his old camera. Yeah, but they just gave him back his prop, you know, before smashing. Like here you go. Yeah, I think something just happened in the editing room, and they just somehow they they missed it. I guess I don't I mean, know. For, for all I know, they filmed that scene first and the smashing the camera happened afterwards and like you said the editors just missed it yeah like it was filmed out of sequence probably and they just missed it but it's it's such a glaring thing that i don't know why i never noticed it until the other day right (laughs) really (laughs) so we finally we're at the end of the movie everybody's happy godzilla's dead and then they cut back to the stadium and there is a single egg and of course it hatches. Cut to uh what's his name ruining a Led Zeppelin song. <laughs> <laughs> um I will say that Godzilla the animated series, which is a direct sequel to this, fixes everything I don't like about this movie. It gives Godzilla flames, it gives Godzilla monsters to fight. It gives Nick a little bit more heroism. They actually do bring back pretty much the entire cast portrayed by different people. Right. Um, But even Audrey is like, she is a little cutthroat in the cartoon. She doesn't wish washy back where she cries for Dr. Nick um, all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I kudos to the guys behind, um, I can't remember the production company, but they made Godzilla the series. They made um, Men in Black the series, and they made Extreme Ghostbusters. Those guys are really good world builders and problem solvers. Because, I mean, when I first heard about Men in Black cartoon, I'm like, this is gonna be stupid. It's not gonna be. You oh, know. The Men in Black cartoon was fantastic. Yeah, and then I started watching. I'm like, holy shit, this is great. 
Godzilla, Godzilla animated series. I'm like, I hated that movie. I'm going to hate the show. And I loved it. And Extreme Ghostbusters, I thought was cheesy as hell at first. And then you sit down and watch it. I'm like, oh, it's got a mythology and everything. It's like super tight. Um, so yeah, I, I will say that there is a silver lining to that is that the sequel series um, was, was phenomenal. What really saddens me, and this is this is my thing about all of these franchises that end up doing reboots because they write themselves into a corner or they, they decide to do prequels instead because they feel like they can't go any further with the story. It upsets me that there were plans for Godzilla 2 and 3. Yeah, yeah, there, um, there absolutely was. He was supposed to fight a monster in the second one. They had a plan for everything for that. And it just... And the movie, like I said, it... I actually I shouldn't say it didn't bomb the second week. It actually did well for its its total film like run. Um, but the criticisms were so heavy that Sony just knew if they went ahead with a sequel, they were gonna get shit on in the box office. Um, which to me, I'm like, I don't know, Sony just knew or Sony just was paranoid because if you decide to fix your mistakes a la Godzilla the series and you give people a showing of that, if you like let them see that you're changing things, that you're 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 taking elements and you're tweaking them. Like my my personal thing is like I don't mind Suicide Squad, but I love the Suicide Squad. <clears throat> and I love the fact that the Suicide Squad is a soft reboot. It's like and and, and I love give them of that and ah we got disconnected for a second there which yeah yeah he cut out for a little bit <laughs> stupid technology <laughs> i was talking about uh, suicide squad and the suicide squad right yeah i caught that i caught those moments yeah um but like i, I like how they improved upon it and they kept the story moving um now whether or not they keep going in that I don't who knows anymore. I would have loved for a Godzilla 2 to come out and course correct. I would have loved for uh Batman 5 where um oh who's the guy who directed Batman and Robin? Well, um, Schumacher. Schumacher. I would have loved for Schumacher to course correct because he had a plan. He had a plan to course correct. But nobody wants to have any faith in those projects. And that is that's the biggest. To me, that's the biggest disappointment in, in Godzilla 98. Now, the history of Godzilla 98 past the animated series, I don't know about you, but I got a real kick out of Godzilla Final Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it that's uh, that's a very entertaining movie. Um, it's uh, a great tribute to Godzilla. I mean, I think it it just that's it's a fun movie. It kind of rips off the Matrix a little bit. Oh, it rips off everything. Um, <laughs> it's unapologetically a ripoff of 90 other you know 90s action movies super super ripoff of the matrix yeah and blade <laughs> like, it's just... how long had it been since you'd seen the 98 film um i want to say i think i kind of had it pl like actually sit down and watching it probably years 
Um, but I have had it playing like the background while I do stuff, but actually taking notice because I don't watch it, it it's got to be probably a good seven or eight years. I, I, I got to say, like my lifestyle right now, when I, when I was just a bachelor, I tell you what, I watch whatever the hell I want to watch, like until three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> when you have a life with a significant other and you're living with them and their kids and you have to share space, and you have to share time, and you have to partition your time and everything. You start to notice you don't sit down and watch your genre films anymore like you used to. Right. <laughs> I had to make time today to watch Eternals and I was just like watching the clock go faster and faster. I'm like, shit. And, uh, you know, I, I, I got to be honest with you, I had to fast forward a couple scenes because that son of a bitch is like two and a half hours long. Yeah, it's almost three hours. Yeah, it's it's like the Batman, and I'm like, oh my god, and and I and I know why, and we'll talk about that when we start talking about Eternals. Yeah. Um, so yeah, probably probably been a couple years since I sat down and actually watched it and gave it like my full attention up until the other day. Uh, same. <laughs> I think I think Godzilla is like what I like to call a channel surfing movie. Like I don't know if people still do that or if it's just me. <laughs> Where if like you channel surf and it's on, you're like, oh, I'll I'll watch the rest of this while I'm like doing something, painting or whatever. Um, but it's probably been about a good three or four years since I sat down and watched like the entire thing. Um, I still like it. Like, I mean, it's a cheesy popcorn flick. I think I'm in the minority where I like it better than the 2014 film. And I know I'm in the minority with that. Um, you know what? Here's the thing. I will say I can sit down and watch Godzilla 98 and not fast forward it. Like, like we said, it's over two hours long and I didn't even realize that. Um, Godzilla 2014, I'm fast forwarding to the monster scenes. Right. I, I mean, I like the music for Godzilla 2014. It's like really got good atmosphere. Um, but I think it's Gareth Edwards who directed that. Yep. He, uh, they hired him and he did a movie called Monsters before that, which was a found footage movie where you don't see the monsters literally until the very end. Right. And that should have been to me. I was like, that's a danger sign because that tells me that he wants to film from the human perspective. Yep. <laughs> Every American director always does this thing like, Oh man, I want to, you know, I, you know, with Transformers is great, but you know what I want to hear about? I want to hear about Sam Witwicky and dick jokes. <laughs> it's like, no, yeah. I want you to tell a compelling story about the character I'm invested in, a la Godzilla. <clears throat> so, you know, it's you're watching Godzilla 2014. I know we're getting off on a tangent before we get on it, but I do want to say this. It's so frustrating that that camera pulls away every time Godzilla shows up until the very end. Right. You literally, there's a fight scene going on on a TV that a kid is watching instead of you. You're not watching it, but the kid on the damn film is watching it and you can't see it. You can only see little bits and pieces of it. That pissed me off. Same. That made me much more angrier than Godzilla 98. Yeah. At least when he's on screen, he's on screen. I know they did hints at the beginning of the movie and how big he is and everything, but it didn't take that long to get to the full reveal. Right. It's where, like when where, you're in the action in the 98 film, like the helicopter chase, chase scene, like you, yeah. you don't pull away from it that often. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. He's fun. The scene's fun. 
um, I I laugh when the mayor's like, "You're destroying more of the city needed," you know, because <laughs> it's true. Like you idiots, the they really do put down the military in that movie. And that's one thing I'll say about Godzilla 2014: the military is competent. They're they're definitely not made as a joke. Yeah, um, but it's so much about them, and it's like, oh my god. Uh, and the, the Mutos, we don't we 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 see more of the Mutos, I think, than than Godzilla, and I don't mind that. I like monsters, but um. You know, that is the thing. Now, they solved that problem in Godzilla King of the Monsters, which I can't remember. The guy who directed that directed Trick or Treat. Um, what's his name? I got to look this up. We got we to gotta do a little inner Godzilla King of the Monsters. There's another two-hour film. Michael Doherty. I yep. love Michael Doherty's work. I love... I love Krampus. I love, uh, you know, and I love that he broadened the scope of the whole MonsterVerse thing. And yet so many people crap on King of the Monsters for some odd reason. Like, I love people who are like, oh, the plot is just absolute garbage and it's so crazy and stupid. Those same people love Godzilla versus Kong, which is so incredibly unbelievable. Like, just so super crazy. That yeah. I'm like you guys had a problem with King of the Monsters, but you're okay with Godzilla vs Kong. Which don't get me wrong, I don't mind Godzilla vs Kong. I'm just saying King of the Monsters was a much better film. And it's not because... like Godzilla Shakespeare to begin with. I mean, he's had some pretty crazy movies with like aliens or how he uses atomic breath to fly. <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the 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 plot usually should go out the window with a Godzilla movie. But but I do find it funny that Michael Doherty's God's like out of out of the three films, his is the one that everybody craps on in general. And I I don't understand that. I, I really don't. And I, I think if King Kong wasn't in if it wasn't a Godzilla vs. Kong, but it was another Godzilla sequel, I think you probably would get the same bullshit. I think King Kong, unfortunately I love King Kong. I love Kong Skull Island. Um I hate to say it, but I think Kong is 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 what is considered the saving grace for those people, because um, it's just as ridiculous, if not more. So that's it. Our Godzilla. I, I think we've talked for Godzilla for like sixty minutes here. So right. Uh, yeah, and I got to leave here around three, so I definitely want to get to Eternals. Yeah, let's talk about Eternals real. Well, we have a lot of notes, but we'll like blast through it. So let me pull up Eternals. So we've got. Eternals was a movie made last year, PG-13, two hours, 36 minutes, directed by Chloe Zhao. Um, I'm not sure what other films they've done. She's done a lot of like independent stuff. Uh, and Marvel, to their credit, has done has had good luck with that. Like the Russo brothers were unknowns before doing Winter Soldier. Like they did maybe one or two independent films, and then they immediately did Winter Soldier, which turned out great. Yep. Um, they did Arrested Development, the Russos, before they got picked up by Disney. Right. Um, so this movie stars Gem Gemma Chan, which I think I've seen her in other stuff. So I feel like she's like, besides Kit Harrington and Angelina Jolie, like the most. Yeah, this movie stars a lot of people. So you've got Gemma Chan, Angela Jolie, Kit Harrington, Leah McHugh, Lauren Ridloff, who plays Makari, my favorite, my MVP. Um, Richard madden playing icarus selma hayek as ajak um really wish you had more of her in the movie uh camille nanjiani 
I hope I pronounced that right. As Kingo. Yeah, you're, you're right. Damn, I nailed that first try. Woo! Um, he plays Kingo, the comedy relief, which he's pretty good. Brian Terry Henry as Fastos, which is my second favorite uh, when it comes to superpowers in this movie. Barry Coogan, otherwise known as Joker, plays Droog. Uh, Harish Patel plays Karun, his, his little sidekick. I did not know that Bill Skarsgård was even in this movie playing the second villain. <laughs> yes. I didn't even realize that was him. Um, Ma Dong Siok as Gilgamesh. And I guess uh, he has a screen. Uh, he has a, he has a screen name, Don Lee. Uh, yes. You know, for Americans who can't try to pronounce that. Um, I, okay. And then the rest of these people are extras. <laughs> Oh, and Harry Styles as a cameo at the end. We'll talk about that in the end. Um, so Eternals, or as I call it, Inhumans 2.0, Marvel's next attempt because they just don't do X-Men. <laughs> I know, I know. They couldn't do X-Men yet. But now that they can and they keep pushing it back, it's driving me insane. <laughs> um. One thing I will criticize this movie about, I have a hard... Anytime a movie starts off with a text crawl that isn't Star Wars, it's usually boring and it's usually bad. It tells me that they don't really have faith that the movie can kind of explain itself. You know what I'm saying? Most movies don't do that. Most movies... Like, the, the worst one, the original Dune. The David Lynch Dune. Yes. They, and I will say, this is a lot quicker than that. But, yeah, the Eternals opening crawl feels like Blade Runner to me, which I think Blade Runner has a good opening like crawl. Um, yeah, sort of. I, I, have, I have Blade Runner. I have a love hate relationship. It's it's like I try to like it. I love the sequel. I don't know. I like the sequel much more. I don't know. It feels a little bit more fast paced. But um, so, yeah, they do the text crawl and then they do like the introduction of the characters but there's so many freaking characters that you don't really get any kind of real vibe besides Circe and um, Icarus which I'm surprised I'm remembering these people's names um, oh by the way I, I, I want to challenge you because um, I, I did mention some of these names but can you name the Eternals can you name all the Eternals yep name them for me <laughs> okay, so you got um, Cersei, who becomes the leader. Uh, then you got Icarus, who I loved his turn in the movie. I did not expect that because he's kind of like the Superman character that everybody looks up to. Uh, then you got Kamal Giuliani's character, who is Kingo. He's like an, a Bollywood actor uh, when they discover him. And then they got uh, Sprite probably my least favorite character in the film who is like a 14 year old girl for all of eternity. <laughs> um, and you got Fastos who's like a techno math, uh, mancer. And um, he feels like he wants to help humanity uh, evolve with technology, but of course it bites him in the ass. And I really love that subplot. Uh, then you got Druig who feels like he can, um, get rid of all hostility by using mind control. And I think that brings up a really interesting point. Uh, even though his character is kind of boring, like at service level, but I think they use him well enough to um, 
try to get across the point of like, is it right to mind control people to get them to stop fighting, even though you're taking away their free will? Uh, Gilgamesh is technically the strongest of the Eternals, like physically. Um, and he takes care of Angelina's Jolie character, Athena. Love their go. relationship. Um, got it. You named all the Eternals. Well, yeah, I got one more. There's one more. Ajax. Oh, oh, did I miss that? I missed. I missed that you said. That's Helma Sykes. That's Helma's. Uh, fuck. What's her? How do I? Thelma I'm, Hayek. Thank you. Go. you. A little dyslexic there. Yeah. Uh, she plays the the leader. Um, and that's another twist in the film that like. That's what got me into the film was when she she dies because in the trailers, the trailers are very misleading in almost a good way because I don't wouldn't know how to market this movie either. Because uh, the trailers are like, well, it's about them getting back together to fight the deviants, but that's not really this, what the film's about. I I feel like that is kind of a problem with the story itself, though, is that it's so convoluted you couldn't really cut a, a good trailer. They just did like, they're the next Avengers. They've got superpowers. That's it. Like that was kind of the trailers at the time. Um, the first fight scene is fun, uh, but the cast is so bloated. You didn't really, I, I don't even remember seeing Sprite do anything. Like, I feel like there's like, there's so much going on there. It's like, there's 10 of them. <laughs> like, holy crap. One of my things that like, when I come with like a, a superhero movie it's typically an introduction of one character with a supporting cast like ant-man spider-man or if the group is coming together if it's the avengers you've already seen movies with these other people right or if it is an introduction like x-men you start off with just five you know what i mean like you got you got professor x wolverine cyclops storm gene gray you know you don't you don't bloat the cast Regardless of how every fanboy is going to be like, but you didn't put Colossus in or you didn't put Nightcrawler. You know, you got to start small and build. I feel like this movie is asking the the um, audience to just accept a large heaping of people all at once. And this grand story of how we have been, you know, we have been chosen by the Celestials. These guys that you've sort of seen in Hints and Beasts and Guardians of the Galaxy movies to guard you know to guard your planet against deviants they've been here forever and we killed them at one point and we've just been living amongst you silently i'm like wow that is a lot for me to just to just guarantee the audience to be like sure got it i'm on it that is that is i i feel like that is a valid criticism that like comparatively to other stories this is asking a lot um that's why like i was amazed that you remembered all their names but i think like as i just watched it today i'm like yeah kind of remember their names i'm gonna forget about them in a month i mean i've seen the film three times in the yeah, past you've, yeah you've watched it more than me too so <laughs> uh, i i agree that the there's too many characters i think there's not there's only one person i would cut and i would actually combine them with another character i would combine if i was writing and directing the film i would combine kingo and sprite because one kingo has personality but his powers are kind of silly like he has like little finger guns that he wears laser pointers so he's an actor right so he should be the one that's doing like the illusions and stuff whereas like sprite doesn't have a lot of personality and i feel bad for the actress because she's young and i'm sure she's just kind of just starting out 
her character and we might be revealing a little too much here. She's definitely the um, female vampire from Interview with the Vampire. She's that kid. She's the eternal person stuck in a child's body, so they're frustrated. Yeah. Um, but it's Disney, so she only does her horrible evil stuff in the last couple minutes. Anyway. <laughs> so you agree that they could have combined those two characters into one? I, my guess is they could have. I have. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. We're judging a film based off of characters I have never bothered to read same uh, uh this, this is jack, a rare this is jack kirby's character is jack kirby's characters that are basically just marvel versions of the new gods yeah um and their costume designs in comic i have seen them they're definitely more memorable and that is that's my second crit criticism is that the costume designs themselves are so to me they just look like bland power ranger outfits and i feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. We're so spoiled now with costume designs and special effects, like you know, Iron Man, Superman, Batman, Spider-Man have translated so well on film. And I think Kirby's designs are so wacky that they work on like Thor Ragnarok as background characters. Um, but maybe as a full-on character in on on screen for like two and a half hours. They weren't. They were too afraid to take that step to go that far with the costumes for them. Um, but I do feel like they're very bland. Um, I like their special powers. I like most of the superpowers. Agreed that yeah, they could have trimmed the cast down and merged some people. Probably would have got shit on by some comic book nerds on Twitter and Reddit. I don't really care. I don't think Disney would have cared, but I guess they decided to go whole horse. Like all these characters there, throw them in. Uh, but I realize part of that is beneficial because of the story itself. When, you know, we realize like the, the, the gang, you know, through their events, you know, we, we realize that they, they kill these deviants. That's their goal. Fast forward to the future or present day. And you see Cersei and she's, she's with Sprite and apparently she's dating the black Knight. but we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> and there's an earthquake. And this, this is my favorite scene. There's this dumb little kid who decides, like, it's an earthquake. I'm going to hide under this giant shell fossil in this classroom that is just hooked up by wires. Surely this won't fall down and crush me. <laughs> <laughs> and so, of course, Cersei has to use her powers without anybody noticing, and she turns into dust. So her power of transmutation is pretty cool. Yes, Sprite's power of distractions, not bad. Um Kingo's laser beams. <laughs> yes, um, it's not very cool. Gilgamesh being super strong. That is a plain power, but he's a fun guy, even though like I do get that this character, Ma, Ma Dong Silk, um, there was a lot of criticism that they thought it was BD Wong. Or Wong. He does, he does look like a bit like Wong, doesn't he? He does look a, real, a lot. So there was a lot like, I can't believe they had him cast the two favorites. He's like, I'm not him, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, Druig's possessing people is an interesting power, but it's like when he's introduced, it's like, yeah, he could be the bad guy. I could see him being the bad guy. So there's like, there's a couple red herrings here, you know. Yeah. Um, Festos is mechanical stuff, but wanting to help people and being frustrated, you know, like I get that character. Um, Makari as a speedster. I love speedsters. I just, there's something about me when it comes to movies. I love the flash. 
uh, Ezra Miller, asshole. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Augustine, he's cool. TV Flash, cool. Uh, movie Flash, not. Um, I love uh, the actor who plays uh, Quicksilver in the X-Men movies. Um, not a fan of the Quicksilver from the Avengers. He's just so basic. But I love a good speedster. And I will say this movie has the best speedster scenes of any superhero film I've seen. And I love those sequences in Days of Future Past and uh, Apocalypse or whatever the hell they call the movie. Um, but they're always, he's so fast, everything's in slow-mo. So you don't get to see the the power being used in reality. You get to see this perception, perceived reality. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, in this movie, we see her use super speed. Um, I don't think I don't think they use slow motion on her once in the film. I think she's always no. just super fast. And I'm glad the director was like, "We're gonna everybody's done that to death. We're gonna we're gonna have you use your powers, like actually show you use your powers. Not this is how the world is so slow around me. I'm like I get it. Athena uh, just being a killer. Her powers are just basic light energy weapons. Um, Icarus, he like to me. I know it shocked you the turn to I feel like I was kind of getting a vibe off of him already. And I feel like part of it is the way he's placed in the movie where it's like, sure, you were with this lady for a thousand years, but she's dating a new guy. And I know the new guy is a hero. I don't know about you, pal. <laughs> so um, and Ajax being a healer. So they're, they're kind of like a big giant D&D raiding party. <laughs> with all their powers. Um. But yeah, so they investigate the disturbance that happened with the earthquake. A monster shows up. The monsters look cool, but are so incredibly complex and detailed that they're also boring at the same time. Like, I can't draw any of those characters. I can't draw any of the, the deviants because there's so much shit going on with them that I'm like, I'm going to lose my mind. Um, I know there's kitty cat deviants, there's basic dog beast deviants, there's winged beast deviants, and there's one that mysteriously has healing powers just like our boss. Right. So they go to it, they like, we got to go talk to her and she'll figure it out. And that's when the movie suddenly becomes a horror movie. <laughs> when they're out in South Dakota and it's rainy and it's dark and there's Selma Hayek's corpse. I'm like, wait a minute, we just got to know her. And I'm like, oh, I see. This is why you have 10 freaking people in your cast. You're going to whittle them down throughout the movie, aren't you? Yeah, some of them die, and I wasn't expecting that because the trailer kind of sets up like this big shot where they're all together, and you you assume that's like that's the end movie where they like, got to come together, right? Like that's yeah. the Avengers shot. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> and I, I like that um, because Selma Hayek is is a big actress, and I think she plays the leadership role pretty well. And to take away like their you know surrogate mother of the Eternals is, I think, is a big move. It is and it isn't. Again, it's a big move within that story, but it's a story that we're just being introduced to you. It doesn't have enough gravity of, per se, Phil Coulson dying. Yeah. You know? Like, that. Like that's that's where I'm like, you just introduced these characters and now you're going to kill them off. It's, it's really... It, it is definitely the horror movie genre kind of aspect of, like, none of these characters matter. I don't care if Jason kills all of the camp counselors because they all suck because I... I've got nothing invested, you know, there is like, I get that it's, it's, it's impactful for them. And I see where you're coming from that, 
as an overall audience kind of perception. It's like, oh, that person I just met's dead. Okay. All yeah. Right, I guess I didn't really necessarily, this might sound odd. I didn't see them as people. To me, the Eternals are like angels or um, like Greek characters from Greek mythology where they're larger than life. So to, so to see one like get killed was kind of jarring because they're, they're set up as very, very powerful and very old. So well, they are, they are, but their dialogue makes them very human. Yeah. If you look at it that way, like that's, that's the thing to me. Like I, you're looking at like a power set kind of thing. I'm looking at it as a personality kind of thing. Like to me, they seem very fallible just in the way they talk and interact. Um, and it does seem easy to kill them off watching the movie eventually i'm like well some of these characters who've been fighting these things for hundreds of years seem to fall prey pretty easily but that could be that could be up to the fact that it's been hundreds of years since they fought a beast because they thought they were done with their job right um, and i think as they slowly become more like human personally they doubt their mission and i think that it kind of i don't know re weakens their resolve in a way Maybe I'm reaching there. No, no, that's a good evaluation. It's one of the things like, like, you know, I, I do call this Roy's rants, but I'm not going to like come off here and be like, you're wrong. Cause I hate this. You know, like <laughs> we, we, you know, you both, we can both have valid points about that. And I, I get that. I totally get that within the, within the context of the narrative, that does make sense. That totally makes sense within that context. I'm, I, I'm looking at it from like a whole Marvel universe. Like there's been 20 films before it kind of vibe, you know? <laughs> right. Um, one of the and, and speaking of when I'm talking about Marvel films and I'm and I want to try and speed this up, but they talk about why weren't you there when Thanos took out half the people, and it's the convenient like it's it's one of those biggest problems when doing connective movies and you have to put out singular movies before you get to the connective movies because you can't put everybody in this. Oh, we're not allowed to interfere with things that happen to the people, and it's if I was Kit Harrington, I'd be like. Thanos wasn't from Earth. That is a totally different thing. He's literally like the deviants you talk about fighting. But of course, they're not going to have him say that. Because <laughs> then Cersei would be like, listen, dude, we're just not allowed to do it, okay? <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's because their God says so. And maybe I'm a little biased because I love stories that feature um, questionable ideals about god from any religion and uh the followers that worship that god that make decisions based off of you know faith because i think faith is a very interesting uh concept it's like well we can't interfere because our god says it's wrong um even though people will die and i think that that is a tough subject because that happens in real life too where people um either don't act or treat people like shit because they think that that that's what their religion tells them to do. And, um, I think that that's, I, I love that the Eternals go through this crisis throughout the film where they're like, well, is our God in the right? Should we let this celestial come forward and destroy the earth? Um, and if we stop it, are we any better? Because the, apparently the celestials create, more life in the galaxy but of course the person that tells them that is another celestial that is i mean that is a good point and if you've watched the latest thor movie they i mean 
Disney is taking some jabs at organized religion in these films lately. Like they literally point out in the Thor movie that like the gods can be cruel and they're they're actually kind of don't give a shit about us. And 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 they were definitely aiming at religion in the last couple of minutes. I'm like, I see you, Disney. I see you telling us to think for ourselves and not be robots, which is kind of funny. We'll get to right. that in a second. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like it definitely reminds me of Greek mythology because I'm, I'm a huge fan of Greek mythology. And it's mm-hmm. like the most of the gods in the Greek mythology are are, are dickheads, to put it lightly. Right. Right. Um. One of the things that, you know, speaking of like first in Disney for, for a Marvel film, there's literally a sex scene in this movie. Which hasn't happened since the first Iron Man. Yeah. And I, well, even the Iron Man doesn't show them doing it. There's right. literally a scene with Susie and Icarus and he's thrusting. And I'm like, whoa, Disney. Wow. You are just not giving a shit anymore about what people say <laughs> which i'm fine with that i'm fine with that i'm like you know what i fine surprised that disney didn't go whoa 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 what are we doing um but i i give it kudos i give it kudos for moving like i love that over the last two years disney's been pushing that line of what they can and can't do um so i give this movie props for that um we we start gathering the gang back up again. Clearly something happened to them. Um, we talk about uh, Angelina Jolie. She's gone a little nutty because she keeps talking about things they couldn't possibly have seen and done. Talking about other planets and things. I'm like, that's crazy. So a little hints there. They've maybe they're not really, you know, just been here. Um, we introduced Druid Drig uh, again. Um, my auto correct met it Druid. <laughs> Um, as a red herring because he he comes off as creepy a little little creepy because the whole mind control thing but at the same time he wants to like you know better you know better the humans and we see like they do flashback to like what i call the beatles breakup where they're like ah this isn't working um i want to do my own thing we've killed all the, the monsters so let's just break up um trying to like get to like fast forward through this uh so plot thickens they start talking about earthquakes the celestials and the eternal's purpose the celestials are the big giant marvel gods that have been hitting at since guardians of the galaxy and um we finally get to kind of see them and they're cool but they're kind of dicks um they're kind of galactus level dicks (laughs) uh the reveal that they were the Eternals whole mission is basically to clean up a mistake that they made um, by creating the deviants. There's where, that's where things get very plot contrivance. You know what I mean? Where it's like, it's just kind of like, okay, that's a little extra level that we need because I, it, apparently because Thanos took out half the galaxy, it slowed down the birth of a celestial. And how does a celestial birth, birth itself? Well, it blows up the planet it was seated in. And we just happen to be a big giant ball of celestial baby <laughs> about the blow. Right. Cause it's basically like feeding off our intelligence or our progress, or I think that's how they put it or something. <laughs> yeah. It um, basically as a civilization grows, it feeds the celestial when it reaches a certain peak of civilization, 
the celestial is born by blowing up all the people that fed it. It's very parasitic and it's kind of assholeish, but in turn, that celestial makes more planets that might inhabit, you know, have inhabitable worlds. So that, you know, they don't all blow up apparently. Um, but it, it's, it's sound like they sell it like it's a good idea, but it's clearly not. And that's when Circe realizes that they're all meat robots. They're, 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 they're made by celestials and basically they get erased every planet they go to and reset, which explains why Angelina Jolie is going crazy. Apparently it didn't take and she is getting her old memories back. She's kind of like a, she's like a corrupted uh, hard drive. That's like trying to breathe its last gasp. Right. Uh, So um, the truth revealed, I was very like when I first watched it, I was underwhelmed. I was like, so they're robots now, instead of just being superheroes. Instead of being gods, they're just robots. I'm like, uh, okay. Now, my my opinion is... I, don't wanna, I just want to say equal. I'm just kind of like, whatever. It, it is what it is, I guess. Um, I, I mean, it, it's, it's definitely a story that kind of how do I say this? It's like a snake eating its own tail, this story, this movie. <laughs> it's like this contrivance upon contrivance of itself kind of self-fulfills this thing where like, turns out the deviants aren't the bad guys. The Eternals are the bad guys. But then the deviants are bad guys because we have a deviant that's killing uh, Eternals and starting to evolve. Um, so you have one... Uh, deviant that is voiced by bill skarsgård you can't tell me he was actually there on set because that thing's so cg and weird (laughs) and he has like two or three lines so he's now evolving and he wants to kill the eternals the eternals want to stop the celestial from happening so they're like we're going to stop him and we're going to transport everybody off of earth to find a new planet and then we'll let him wake up and blow up the planet safely which is their plan, and their plan involves uh, creating a unibrain. Ha ha, unibrain. I've heard unibrain in Marvel comics before. Again, I've never really read Eternals. I just love the name unibrain, and I love that they made fun of it. On yeah. Screen. They made jokes about it, how dumb it is. I'm like, yay, unibrain. Um, but then, of course, Icarus is like, yo, bro, guess what? I knew about all this shit this entire time. And I kind of want to kill all of you for trying to stop me. <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> um, so, of course, while they're trying to stop the Celestial, you have the Deviant that wants to kill them because he remembers all the Deviants that they've killed. Because as he kills Eternals, which he kills Gilgamesh, and I was like, damn it, that sucks. Um, he began, he begins to like create a personality that's made up of the other Eternals and himself and all their memories of all the people that, that they've killed or all the deviants they've killed. So he's got a revenge thing going on. And um, Circe and some of the other Eternals, they have to fight uh, Icarus because he did a heel turn like a wrestler. Uh, <laughs> and you find out that he killed, uh, well, he was responsible for the death of Selma Hayek's character. Uh, AJ. Yeah. Thoughts on the heel turn? <laughs> so I didn't see it coming. 
Um, now that I've seen it a couple times, I see the hints now, but I, I think I was kind of seeing Icarus through everybody else's eyes where he's sort of like the, um, everybody kind of expected him to be the leader after Ajax, you know, um, passed away. And I think in a way they look up to him because he has a lot of their abilities combined. I mean, he's clearly the most powerful out of all of them. Um, so I think it's interesting because, and it's not like he's just evil all of a sudden. He clearly, he's torn between serving his God and siding with his family. Um, and initially he chooses to serve his God, but it, the, but you know, he does go to the extremes of trying to kill them, but I, don't, I wouldn't say he necessarily wants to, but I feel like he's in his mind, he's acting for the greater good. Because if we let this planet die, then thousands more will be born. You know, that's that's the attitude. Right. It's the old Star Trek, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few argument. Right. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, it, it is a, it is a heel turn and I get his his convoluted nature, which I think is great. I think I think had this movie come out like a year prior or something like out in the theaters before COVID and all that crap or I should say two years prior. Um, I think it would have been an interesting take uh, on a hero, villain, whatever, what have you, uh, for the general audience to really kind of see, because it would be different. Uh, it does lead to, like, the coolest fights, like, in the movie, because um, Makari just whoops his ass. Yes. For and, a good bit. Yeah. I, she kicks... She might actually be the most powerful Eternal... But I think uh, she's also kind of like the Flash, where she has to hold back; otherwise, she'll break the space-time continuum if she moves <laughs> too fast. Um, yeah. Um, uh, yes. That and uh, Festos using machines and stuff to like trap him. I really like Festos' power set. It's it's it is kind of very reminding me of a like a, a a party on a video game like a final fantasy party or whatever like i summon you know mechanic or whatever um it's got that vibe with them with their power sets it's not so much superhero stuff but like i got cool shit i can do right um, exactly so they fight and angelina jolie fights crew who like i said bill skarsgård great actor great that he gets like two more lines before she basically lets him get close enough to stab her and start transferring to kill him, which was really graphic for a Disney. Again, there's a lot of graphic scenes here when they kill the um, the the deviants. They like ooze blood all over um, characters and stuff. Like it gets gross. Yeah. Um. So I I do admire them for pushing that you know pushing the envelope on that. Um. So then, of course, the Celestial starts to birth itself, and uh, Sprite, who has decided to side with Icarus, that treacherous little bitch, stabs Cersei in the back. <laughs> and I was like, what? Now, that's the heel turn that I was just like, you did what now? <laughs> I, I was really like, wow, you know, I, I didn't really care for you throughout the movie, but now I really don't care for you. Um yeah. You know, so there's the stab there, but then uh, Droog, who in a previous scene, Icarus supposedly killed, and I was like, that's what amped up uh, Makari in her speed fight, thank goodness. Um, you know, he takes out uh, Sprite so that um, they can do the unibrain again, 
and um, basically she transmutates the celestial into some sort of rock. And now there is a giant freaking hand and part of a head coming out of the earth. Now, I can't wait to see what they do with that. What's that? I can't wait to see what they do with that. I imagine like in a lot of future movies, there's going to be like plain scenes where you can see it out the window. And that's, that is part of my problem with this. Unless this movie takes place after the two or three Disney plus shows and Marvel movies have come out. There's no Avengers presence in this movie. Like Bruce Banner doesn't try to investigate what the hell's going on, nor does Stark tech. Uh, no other current Avengers or anything investigated. It's all Eternals. And that is a big problem with this kind of movies. An event that big would attract attention. Doctor Strange would be all over that shit. Yes. And it's not just Marvel that does that. Like a lot of the CW, like DC connected shows, like, oh, well, he's got, we got this guy called the thinker that's going to reprogram everybody's brain on the planet. And it's like, why isn't Supergirl or Green Arrow helping out with this? You know? Right. It is a problem with the reality of we can't afford to have Doctor Strange in this movie because he's too costly and the special effects would be too costly. So he's got to hang out in the Sanctum Sanctorum watching TV going, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, or just accept that they're dealing with their own shit. I mean, it even happened in the comics too where like a big event would happen and it's like only Superman was involved. Like Wonder Woman didn't show up to help them or the rest of the and show up to help them it's just it is is a problem i i think they can solve it with certain things if they said like oh they were off on another planet or something like that which they do with justice league quite a bit with some of those but um so now we're at the end and sprite's like um or no seriously goes to sprite's like i can make you human like you want to be human even though you just stabbed me i'm gonna give you what you want and so we're whittling down the cast now so we've gotten rid of sprite We've got rid of um, Icarus Ajax. flew into the sun. You know, we, we've got, got rid of Gilgamesh. Uh, and then Ajax flies off into the sun. So we've got rid of, or not Ajax, no, it's, uh, Icarus. It's Ic- Icarus. Yeah, Icarus flies off in the sun. So we've whittled down the team quite a bit. Um, and then, of course, we're at the end, and half the team decides to fly off in space to find other Eternals on other planets. I'm like, well, I'm glad we're okay. We whittled down the team, but we can always grow it with more. Cool. Um, and uh, basically, a Celestial shows up, the Celestial that they've been worshipping, and he pulls like three of them, right? Kingo, um, Festos, and uh, Circe. They pull him off the planet in front of everybody. And again, another event that no one talks about in these other films. Like, hey, remember that giant thing that showed up in the sky and disappeared? That was freaking weird. <laughs> you know, like no one talks about it. So it's like, I feel like Eternals, part of Eternals is like, hey, if this movie fails, we're just going to ditch this just like in humans. Hope you guys realize that. We're just going to not talk about it. But then they cut to in the ship in a cut scene or like, the end credit scene in the ship. The rest of the Eternals meet Pip. Voiced by Patton Oswald, I love it. And Eros, who uh, is Thanos's brother, and he's played by Harry Styles. And I was like, I look at him, like you look familiar. And I look at the credits, I'm like oh, it's Harry Styles. That would be why. Um, and then of course, like that's like a connection that only hardcore nerds like me um, 
you know, a couple others I know who'd be like, oh, cool, Pip. All right, awesome. We're getting the whole Infinity Gauntlet gang. Like, let's get Adam Warlock and Guardians. Come on, let's go. Um, so I thought it was really cool to intro those, those characters, but I could totally see people be like, who the hell are these two idiots? Yeah, I just spent two hours watching a group of guys I don't even know about. <laughs> now I got to invest in these other two assholes. And then speaking of which, there's another end credit scene where we reveal that Kit Harrington's character has special powers with, related to a sword. So if you're a comic book nerd, that's the Black Knight. And then you hear a voice and it's Blade. <laughs> so we've introduced a new Blade, a Black Knight, Pip, and Star Fox, all in the end credits. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't care for the Black Knight thing. Um, like, well, I don't like the character. I mean, like the reveal. Yeah, I, I don't. Well, here's my thing. Black Knight and Blade, I've never read a comic book with the two of them together. So I'm just kind of like, this is weird. Right, so it's like, are they implying that the blade that blade's going to be uh, with the Eternals somehow? Which I guess could be interesting because that'd be very different. I, I, considering, I don't think Eternals really blew the lid off ticket sales or Disney Plus downloads. I, you know, I haven't seen anything for Eternals two. Um, I have a feeling this might get kind of like pushed aside for a while, kind of a la Black Widow movie. <laughs> they kept promising, yeah, yeah, we'll get you a movie. They kill her off like, now we'll get you a movie. <laughs> so, yeah, overall, it's not a... I don't hate it, okay? Like, I don't I don't hate it. I just, yeah, it's not, it's not definitely... Like, I, I have issue with people that say that it's the worst Marvel movie. Like, I feel like Iron Man 3 is 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 terrible. Oh, we need to do an Iron Man 3 because I absolutely love that movie. I've so, only seen that once, and I don't think I could bring myself to watch oh, it again. Oh, no, 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 no. I challenge you. You're going to have to watch it. I'm gonna have to watch it again. It's not that bad. Um, to me, the worst Marvel movies are not made by Marvel. They are the Nick Fury movie. They are the Generation X movie. They are Captain America straight to video. Yeah, you know what I mean, I, when I say Marvel, I meant like MCU. I don't mean I, like well, Marvel comics. My, my point is, I feel like the MCU doesn't make bad movies. They make movies that range from. This is okay. To this is fantastic. <laughs> like I don't, I don't have any hate, right, for any of them. I really and don't. Thor: The Dark World is the is probably the worst of the of the okay. Yeah, and I will say this: despite everything, it is pretty awesome that we have a movie about the Eternals, a comic book that a huge comic book fan that I, I am never read or knew anything about. Right. Um. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy was super niche before the movie came out. Like, you know, nobody knew who Rocket Raccoon or Star-Lord was. Uh, I mean, except for people like me. Like, I'm, I was one of the ones who was like, oh, my God, they're making this. And I'm sitting in a theater and I'm like naming cameos of characters. Um, and like, oh, oh, my God, you know, they've got the Cosmo in there. And people are looking at me like, who the what? What? The dog. He's a he's a super intelligent dog from the soviet union and people were like what like yep. go read the damn book <laughs> so yeah i mean i was a fan of guardians even before the reboot before rocket and groot like back in the 80s and 90s i collected it so it's obscure um but like eternals is even more obscure so i love that as they advance you know we've got a moon knight tv show we got a ms marvel tv show we're gonna she hulk i'm so 
I hate fans who are like, eh, there's too many superhero movies. They need to cut that. I'm like, shut up. I grew up with Superman 4 and Supergirl and Swamp Thing. You shut your mouth. Okay? Right. Be happy what you got. <laughs> well, looks like we are running out of time. I do challenge you to watch Iron Man 3. Um, Alex, why don't you tell uh, the listeners, all 10 of them, if they get to see it, um, <laughs> what you're up to, what you're doing, if you got anything new you're releasing. Uh, well, I'm a writer. I write uh, urban fantasy and paranormal fiction. If you're into, if you're like me and you liked the Eternals, um, you know, my Half Angel series deals with a lot about the questions of gods and angels and their effects on the world. So if you like that sort of thing, check it out. And that's probably why I love the movie so much. Uh, granted, it has a lot of problems, too. Um, but uh, yeah, I uh, am currently working on my first science fiction book. Don't know when that's going to be out. Uh, it's been quite the undertaking. Um but you can follow me on Instagram at a Charles Ross. I also have a YouTube channel that is under the same name, but uh, yeah. All right. And can they, um, the, the books that you have out there, uh, where can they find them? They can find them on Amazon. And if you go to my Instagram page, there should be a link in the description. Um, but yeah. All right. And of course, my name is Roy Stiffy. You can follow me on uh, Instagram as Roy Stiffy, one whole word. Or Croctopus Art on uh, TikTok. Uh, I'm also under Roy Stiffy on Facebook and Croctopus Art as well on Facebook, where you can find all of my artwork, comic book work, all that kind of stuff. Um, we, I do have a comic book called Anonymous Nancy that I illustrate with the uh, author Brandon. Uh, why did I just miss this? Uh, I totally forgot the author's name. That's horrible. Oh, my God. Do you ever get that old where your brain starts to slip? Brandon Hikes Hikes is the author Um, it is a comic book uh, that's kind of a I want to say espionage but it's like a thriller action thriller and uh, I do usually make that available to pick up on Facebook you can contact me through there I am currently trying to negotiate getting issue 5 of the 5 issue miniseries all collected here at my residence to sell out uh all right guys thanks for listening to this incredibly just meaty boy uh podcast talking about a couple of films and the rise and fall of the dceu (sighs) um i will try again next week we'll we'll talk about another uh another topic and alex uh you are welcome back anytime well thanks this has been a lot of stuff this was a lot of fun so Say goodbye to the audience. (laughs) Yep. See ya. All right, gang. I'll see you later. Bye-bye.